I'm Caitlin. I'm Rachel. I'm Emmy. So it's fellowship time. That's the rumor. There's a fellowship, and there's a ring. Some elves are getting up to stuff, and I guess a few hobbits. I, li- I like hobbits. <laughs> I've always felt actually a good kinship with hobbits, because they eat and they drink. And sends him on a quest. Gandalf super doesn't really want Frodo to get out of the house. Suck it, Gandalf. Pipeweed? Pull up an armchair, grab a pipe and a pint from the green dragon. So you want to read Tolkien? Reading The Fellowship of the Ring. So, hi and welcome. We are here for episode whatever, 38. Chapter, episode whatever. We're back. Look, we're, we're finally... <laughs> Chapter three. We're finally maybe doing this regularly again. And maybe we'll actually remember things. Maybe. Chapter three of Fellowship of the Ring. Three's company. Uh, Three's are also wild, apparently. And, yes. Okay. A chapter that we all really liked. It's a good really episode. liked. Yeah. It was very fulfilling at the end of my really hard work day. I think I, it's mm? the tone's a little, I mean, it, it goes back and forth, but it is almost a little bit like some of the, the Hobbit chapters with its classic adventuring, walking. Yes, and the slowly rising tension. I do like the slowly building tension, like a lot, a mm-hmm. lot, a lot. It's really good. Yeah. And we uh, get visits from our old friends, sort mm-hmm. of. We get to hear about everything. <laughs> And songs. God, I'm so excited. Did like- anybody else sing those when you read them? Because I did that. So let's say a couple years ago, somebody produced, you know, some audiobooks that weren't strictly legal. And allegedly, maybe I have those and am listening to those. And so they would sing the songs in those books if I was doing them. To the uh, matching tunes from the movies, actually. Oh, nice. Not that I'm doing that. No, of course not. No. Okay, you know what? We can talk about this later. First, let's talk about the characters, our dramatist personae, uh, who show up in this chapter. Um, We have Frodo Baggins, who is a hobbit, who in this chapter, to my shock, ends up selling Bag End as a cover for why he's going on this great adventure. We have Gandalf, who's our favorite wizard, but who straight up abandons Frodo in this chapter uh, to go off and investigate some rumors. We have Samwise Gamgee, our favorite gardener. Um, And what will he do now that Bag End has been sold? We have Pippin Took, uh, Frodo's friend, who's very concerned about why he sold his home. We have Mary Brandybuck, who is unable to stay and watch as Frodo sells his home. We have Fredegar Bolger, and Fulco Boffin, who are lesser friends of Frodo. We really don't know anything about their opinion on selling Bag End. And we have the old gaffer, uh, Sam's father, the hobbit happy to have retired from gardening before Frodo sells his home. We have Lobelia Sackville Baggins, the one who buys Frodo's home. We have Lotho Sackville Baggins, Lobelia's son, who gets to live in Frodo's home. We have a rider in a black cloak who appears to be following Frodo and is also possibly upset that Frodo has sold Bag End. Possibly also there are two riders in black cloaks. We're unclear. And then, finally, we have Gildor Inglorian of the House of Finrond, who is an elf. He keeps Frodo safe from the people who are upset that he sold Bag End. As you can see, we fixated on one very important point in this chapter. 
it's the only important point. Nothing else important happens. Nope. I could not believe when I read this that Frodo sells Bag End, I could not believe that that didn't stay with me from the first time that I read this. I had entirely forgotten that that happened. Yep. Ditto. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just sitting here back thinking of, you know, the 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 horse and riders trying to smell them out and thinking it's, it's really, they thought they were smelling, but it's just a sniff of uh, resentment and disappointment at sold his family home bad decisions yeah yeah they're (laughs) messengers they're probably sent by bilbo who felt it in his bones when lobelia sackville baggins god the betrayal owner of bag end like i think frodo is no longer a baggins he has gone back to being a Brandy Buck? Brandy Buck. Buck. he was always a baggins because his father was a baggins but you know what i'm saying but yeah primula primula brandy buck yeah just astonishing I would just totally blew my mind. <laughs> Anyways, the uh, short summary uh, right, for this. That. <laughs> yeah, there's more to talk about besides this. <laughs> the short summary for this chapter is uh, Frodo makes plans to leave the Shire without anyone knowing he has left. Gandalf disappears and does not return when he says he would. Frodo, Sam, and Pippin start walking across the Shire and are pursued by creepy riders dressed in black robes. And then meet up with a group of elves, much to Sam's delight. Yeah, that does pretty much about sum it up. Mm-hmm. Um, the long summary includes a lot more walking. But uh, <laughs> Lord of the Rings in a nutshell. Yep. <laughs> includes a lot more walking. Um, we're going to have to start coming up with some, some synonyms. They start ambulating toward... Meandering. <laughs> They're on a nice promenade across the Shire. <laughs> Uh, so the chapter opens two to three weeks after Gandalf shows up and just sort of drops a whole lot of doom on Frodo. Uh, Gandalf is still living there and presumably has been telling Frodo every damn day that you should probably get a move on. And Frodo For weeks. All, For weeks. Frodo's all, but I don't want to cause a scene. That'll be bad. And Gandalf says, okay, but you do need to leave. And Frodo goes, how about after the birthdays? Uh, which is a acceptable delaying tactic and also makes for some nice narrative symmetry when Frodo gets to leave on his 50th birthday, a.k.a. the same age that Bilbo was. But, like, that's months away. This like, is I'm pretty sure it's away. June when they're having this conversation or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck, Frodo? <laughs> really? Yeah. He's like, what I, ha- I have to enjoy one last summer in the Shire, obviously. Um. Anyway, Gandalf has his priorities straight, so he threatens to actually turn Sam into a toad if Sam blabs. <laughs> That's it. Oh, um, Sam. Yeah. So we jump to this great scene of some uh, Hobbit gossip off in the pub. Um, so yeah. Hear ye, hear ye, people of the Shire. Frodo Baggins has sold Bag End. Gasp. Fucking Lobelia. I can't, like, anybody but Lobelia. Anybody! God. Like, God. Right, like... It would like, have been so much more satisfying if it had been anyone else. Like, why couldn't he just uh, sell it to Mary or Pippin? Or the gaffer. Or, or the gaffer. Well, that's, like, you know, literally then, anyone else who has money to presumably, buy Presumably, yeah. Presumably the gaffer can't afford it, but. Classes. Uh, yeah. Anyway, there is also some great shade to Lobelia's dead husband, Otho, here. Where it's like, 
Otho had died some years before at the ripe but disappointed age of 102. (laughs) (laughs) I did enjoy that line as well. At least he doesn't get it, but it's Lobelia, man. Anyway. But Lobelia is almost worse. I mean, she's not, but almost. No, she's she's worse. Um, But Ferdo encourages gossip that the he's moving because the money is running out, but no one actually believes him because they are still convinced that there's treasure underneath Bag End. But I can't see this just upsets me even more because I feel like Lobelia is going to move in and then start ransacking her own home, you know, like just start tearing <laughs> up the floorboards, looking for holes and tunnels and not, you know, just to prove herself right, even if she doesn't find any treasure. And like, it's big end. It's precious. Yep. Well, Sorry, Karen. Yeah, no, she has no, it. No, it's, I just, it hurts me. Anyway, I hope Frodo did something with the, uh, like, left her only spoons in the silverware drawer or something like that as a carry-on well, of Bilbo's trolling gesture. It's talked about that the sale included some things, because, like, mm-hmm. he yes. had to leave the beds and some other stuff, so who knows? Yeah. But yeah, I hope at least part of it is a spoon joke. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. Now that Frodo's set his plans, uh, Gandalf decides it's uh, time to pop off to look up, you know, what the news is outside. Uh, at this point, it's been two months. So Gandalf has just been crashing here, hanging out, presumably for smoking months. a lot for months. God. Hiding, literally, in the house, not leaving. Doesn't want other people to see him. Like a creeper. Love this. I feel like this proves that Gandalf is a hobbit at heart and really just wants to have, you know, seven meals a day and a pipe. (laughs) And screw all this adventure and politics. Pretty much. Um, But yeah, so Gandalf heads off, says he'll be back in a jiffy, but we know how Gandalf works. That never happens. Ever. Oh, I did want to say that Emmy changed what I had written up there and i had definitely written that gandalf abandons his boy and it's very sad i did yeah god it's so sad could not be more useless in this chapter gandalf yeah abandons his boy and doesn't even show up for the birthday party Um, rude he rsvp'd and everything yeah right um said he'd be back didn't come terrible birthday guest but the hobbits do manage to celebrate anyway and uh, they drink the last of the good wine so that Lobelia doesn't get it. Respect. That's the best thing they could do. I mean, I'm still upset that they sold it to her in the first place, but at <laughs> least they drank all the good wine. <laughs> at least they drank the good wine. Yeah. Um. So Mary has the unfortunate job of carting everything off to the new house. So he heads off with the stuff. Um. Although maybe he's better. He gets to just like ride there and sleep in an actual bed. Um. Because Frodo, Sam, and Pippin are going to walk to the new house. And uh, I really love that Frodo says this will be good practice for him because he's you know, <laughs> leaving the Shire. And he's literally had months of summer to practice walking. I know. And it's like this. mentioned that he's been walking around and getting news and stuff. Like, really? What have you been doing? <laughs> My dude. He even like looks in the mirror and notices that he's um, a little out of shape. <laughs> Oh, Frodo. Frodo, Frodo, Frodo. <laughs> um, anyway, Lobelia shows up 
like the bitch she is and <clears throat> forces her way in, making sure that nothing is missing she's supposed to have and all that fun stuff. Um, but yeah, so eventually Frodo's ready to leave. And as he's getting set to go, he overhears a strange conversation at the gaffers. Ooh. Someone is asking after Frodo and where he's gone. Doom. I'd actually forgotten that the writers got so close to him here. Mm-hmm. Literally because, next door. Like, yeah, if they had just gone a little further up the road. Yep. Smell them out. And I think it's really weird that they managed to get this far up the road without asking directions before now. Yeah, because everybody knew that Frodo was leaving. That was sort of the point. Mm-hmm. And, and they got this close but couldn't see any lights on. Like, there were still people in Bag End. Yeah. I, you know what I'm curious about? is what their voices sound like. Because they've got yeah. to be different than what they did in the movie with that whispering. This sounds like a real conversation. Yeah. Like, yeah, he hisses, but yeah, no, what do their voices sound like? And also, one of the things, like, they're talked about, and it again, in the movie, it's shown very clearly that they're supposed to exude this evil presence. But the gaffer is just, like, like being snarky to him, basically. Yeah, just chatting him up. And so I'm like, is is the gaffer particularly brave, or did the movie just super play that up? Because that's how I picture them now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or like, could they? Can they turn it off? I mean, presumably, also their cloaks are a little bit less like creepy, ratty. Yes, scary. Yeah, their horses yeah, possibly less if, creepy. Yeah, maybe maybe they only choose to exude terrifying stuff at times when the camera's on. <laughs> you know, like here they're trying to ask for directions, and I guess they want to scare him into talking. <laughs> I guess how the mighty like, have fallen. <laughs> We're yeah. going to be a polite black rider here. and, and <laughs> Although even like asking directions is like the first scene that we see them in the movies, and it's pretty creepy. It's real scary. Don't they kill a hobbit in the movies? What? No. He runs into his house. No, not that one. A different one. No, they kill the mm. doorman and Bree. I don't know of another hobbit that they come in contact with. Maybe I'm making that up. Unimportant. Carry on. Yes. Anyway, so creepy Black Riders, possibly not quite as creepy as the movie. Still creepy. Anyway, after this exchange, Sam is finally ready to go. He had to stop and say farewell to the beer barrel. Almost as inspirational as drinking the best wine. <laughs> that's, that's my favorite bit in this whole chapter, that he just disappears and comes back. Reply like, wipe, jug. Wiping beer foam, foam off his mouth. <laughs> as though he was downstairs or whatever in the cellar. I don't know where they keep the beer barrel. Like straight from the tap, pumping I it in there. I think he was. I'm pretty sure that was that's exactly what, what happened. It's so good. I love Sam Also, Lewis keep Kanji. in mind that Lobelia has shown up. I know. <laughs> so is he just like in Lobelia's the basement upstairs. While she's there? <laughs> anyway, all right. Our, our three friends have had a lot of alcohol and decide to set off on an adventure. <laughs> Sure, uh, words have never been spoken. <laughs> uh, so they walk a whole bunch, uh, coincidentally heading out the same way that Bilbo had for his own adventure. They walk, and they walk, and they walk a bunch more, and they decide to camp for the night, and there's this weird bit where a fox judges them. Yeah. Yeah. And he's not talking, right? But it almost seems like he's talking. We, we enter into the fox's thoughts for a moment. And he's very well composed. And thinks he, it's odd yeah. that three hobbits are sleeping out beneath the stars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, 
hmm, three of them, there's something mighty queer behind this. And then the narrator voice goes, he was quite right, but he never found out any more about it. <laughs> Why do we have this random fox? Because <laughs> he's a fox. <laughs> If anybody okay. knows why that fox gets his own narrative voice, we would love to know. Please, anything. We were confused. I um, mean, I guess it's just some flavor. I don't know. I don't know. I feel either. like that would have been if they'd cooked the fox for dinner. You know exactly <laughs> what I mean, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they they sleep unaware of the weird fox. And the next day they walk some more. When they wake up, uh, Pippin actually... We kind of get back to the class thing because Pippin treats Sam automatically like a servant and like orders him to get breakfast going and asks if there's hot water yet. Rude. You're on an adventure in the middle of like nowhere. I was a little upset about this and I, I, I still am. But also he, he yells at Frodo too. He's like, water, where's the water? After we thought Frodo you went to goes, go get water. After Frodo comes back. And mm -hmm. I think it's clear that Pippin just has... No idea how to fend for himself. Also true. He's just also probably like me trying to get up in the morning. Like, just <laughs> coffee? Is there coffee? Is there anything? But I also like Frodo didn't get water. Sam woke up and was like, wait, we don't have a kitchen. <laughs> you know, like, it was clear that all three of them are not very well versed. On spending nights outside of their of their homes. Nope. They never camped before. Yeah. Pretty much. Alright, but anyway, after all this, they take a whole bunch of time to get going, and it's like 10 o'clock by the time they get out on the road. Um, but so begins our uh, poetic recitations. So Frodo recites Bilbo's poem, The Road Goes Ever On and On. And it's interesting because Pippin's like, it sounds like a, like one of Bilbo's. And Frodo kind of, it's like implied that he just sort of pulls it out of distant memory and not actually deliberately trying to quote Bilbo. Yeah, probably like something it, that he heard a lot when he was younger, but mm -hmm. then didn't for, you know, the last 20 years that Bilbo hasn't been there. Right. It just came to him is how he describes it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then after that, he he talks about Bilbo a bit and shares the whole, it's a dangerous business, Frodo, going out of your door. You step into the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. And they also talk about how uh, Bilbo used to say, you know, even just stepping out his front door and looking at the road and being like, you could go on this road and get to the Misty Mountains and the Lonely Mountain and... And Mirkwood. And Mirkwood, yeah. I was trying to remember the name of the forest. And yep. it, I think it just sort of showed how wistful Bilbo had been for a lot of his life. Mm -hmm. For adventure. Yeah, definitely. But anyway, then after all that, Pippin's like, well, the road won't sweep me anywhere. And he stops for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> all right. On brand. Yeah. Um, So they walk some more. And eventually hear a horse coming on the road, and Frodo has a bad feeling about it. So they hide away, and up comes <gasps> a black horse with a black rider on it. And, mm -hmm. um, just some random person wearing black, obviously. Come on. What do you think this Not is? Not you know? important at all. <laughs> um, just someone out for a 
late afternoon contemplation of, you know, real estate in Hobbiton. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Nope, it's a creepy black writer and Frodo is overcome with fear and a desire to put on the ring. And he's uh, kind of going back and forth with that. But as he goes to touch the chain that the ring is on, the writer decides to head off. Another view of how incompetent they are. They're <laughs> like literally. He just like he's about to put on the ring, and the writer's like, oh, "Nope, time to go." <laughs> yeah, Sauron seems to hire his lackeys the same way that Morgoth did. <laughs> Sounds about incompetence. Right. I mean, to be fair, we didn't really see all that many examples of Sauron being competent either. Yeah, this is this is true. Remember how he literally got pulled back and grounded. <laughs> he was so afraid of an elf princess that she just took his house (laughs) it was hers now just because she said Um, i love it anyway silverlian kind of ruins sauron's dramatic effect (laughs) a little bit a little bit um so anyway but after this uh sam tells frodo his side of hearing about the conversation that had been overheard and that the gaffer had been approached by a creepy person robed in black who, uh, yeah, hissed at him. <laughs> as, as you do. As um, you do. Pippin, characteristically and optimistically, suggests that maybe there was no cor- connection. And Frodo's like, mm, I, I, I know there's some evil stuff going on, but I can't tell you because Pippin uh, doesn't know about the plot. Yeah. Pippin's like, being uh, a third wheel here. Pippin, Pippin really just thinks he's along on a really weird cross-country road trip to Frodo's new house. <laughs> he's just there like all these creepy things are happening and he's just got no idea. He really I mean, doesn't. Poor boy. I, I guess according to the information we have now, that is true. I mean, We have he, no proof yet that he is insightful in any way. Yes, okay. Yeah, I mean, at this point he starts to figure out, right? He's like, all right, cousin Frodo, you can keep your secret for the present if you want to be mysterious. Anyway, so yeah, Frodo doesn't say anything about this creepy writer and all that fun stuff. So they walk some more. They pause for supper in a cool tree that's grown with like a hollow inside it. And then they just, they walk some more. Having lunch inside a hollow tree or having, you know, a meal sounds like a real good time. Right? Like I kept like waiting for it to something more more dramatic to happen here but no it's just like yeah let me just hang out in this this cool tree i want to do that but i don't really know of any local hollow trees that aren't literally tourist that, that spots. large oh no they're that large they're just tourist spots yeah so you wouldn't be left alone find a isolated one um anyway yeah they start walking some more and they're feeling more chipper after some food and distance from the black rider so uh they start to sing a song that you might recognize some lines from. Emmy, you were talking about this earlier. Did you want to read it? Are we talking about, well, which song? Because we've been walking a long way. Are we talking about Home is Behind or The Road yes. Goes Ever On and On? Which we, actually, we well, just did that one. That. Yep. <laughs> yeah, um, we get three fabulous songs in this chapter, all of which I love. But um, this is probably my favorite song from the Lord of the Rings movies. And I was excited to read it in this book because it didn't occur to me that it came so early. And I either didn't know or forgot when I read it the first time that it's different from the way it's sung in the movie. Um, 
Man, I wrote notes about this, and I've now forgotten what they mean. (laughs) (laughs) I really like, well, for one thing, I like how it shows that the movies tried to incorporate as many of the songs as they could in Mm -hmm. ways that they worked. Um, Yeah, I I kind of forgot until I read this. I was like, yeah, no, because you hear, like, both Bilbo and Gandalf hum The Road Goes Ever On and On as a tune. Mm-hmm. And then reading and getting this one and knowing where they put it, and you're like, okay, yeah, there's there is more singing in the movies than I think there is compared to yeah, the books. they slide it in there. I mean, more than probably any other fantasy adventure action flick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. don't know if I should sing this, guys. Well, maybe don't sing it, but you Just, you can speak it. Yeah, unless you want to sing it. Uh, I don't want to. Uh, I don't know. Wreck your cool or whatever. I don't know what that sentence was. I don't know what that sentence was either, but I'm with you. <laughs> I'm following you. I just couldn't put the tune of this song to the first verse. So the first verse works with The Road Goes Ever On and On. Hmm. And then really? The, yeah. I don't understand the segue. <laughs> okay. Like, what, what? okay, I can't say. You're right. No, you're right. Yeah. And then as soon as they get into, like, the last three then that kind of works with the tune that the movies gave to, uh, uh, you know, the one that Pippin sings in Return of the King. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, will yeah. you read the first verse? Because now I'm, I'm attempting to put it to The Road Goes Ever On and On. And I, I can't get all the way to the last four lines. So it would be like, well, okay, no, I can't sing. I can't do it. You don't um, have to sing. Okay. Upon the <laughs> earth, guess. the fire is red. Beneath the roof, there is a bed. But not yet weary are our feet. Still round the corner we may meet. A sudden tree or standing stone that none have seen but we alone. And then the last four here, tree and flower and leaf and grass. If you put them to the tune that that Pippin did in Return of the King, that works. Uh, Tree and flower and leaf and grass, let them pass, let them pass. Hill and water under sky, pass them by, pass them by. Okay, I see it now. Home is behind the world. Okay, nope, I got it. I'm here with you now. But they do kind of all work because, like, that very last stanza also works, obviously. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering now if the... Should we be reading the last stanza for people? Yes. Okay, so... Did you want to read it? I mean, I thought you were reading it. Oh, that was God. that was what we tried to do like five minutes ago. Was literally just have you read this last stanza. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> A home is behind the world ahead, and there are many paths to tread through shadows to the edge of night until the stars are all alight. Then world behind and home ahead will wander back to home and bed, mist and twilight, cloud and shade. Away shall fade. Away shall fade. Fire and lamp and meat and bread, and then to bed, and then to bed. So we don't get those lines about home or bed uh, in Pippin's version from the movie, but... Yeah, and I think it's implied through the narrative that when they sing it while they're walking, it's a much more upbeat, happy tune, like they're happy to be (laughs) going home and to bed. You mean Mm -hmm. not everyone dying on their way to Esgiliath? Well, at the same time, though, a lot of poetry just generally in existence when it talks about going home and going to sleep is actually about finally dying. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I don't think that that's a big leap to make. 
No, it's not a big leap, but it is particularly funny since the next line is the song ended and now to bed and now to bed, sang Pippin in a high voice. Yeah. Yep. And then a black writer. Appears, Please don't die, he? Pippin. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah. that's kind of interesting, too. Mm-hmm. Do. Yeah, that's it. It's just interesting reading this in its context here as opposed to what we may know. Yeah. All right. Does anyone have anything else to say about the song? I just like it. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to do the first part of the verse in in The Road Goes Ever On and On. Just It's, it's blown okay. my mind. After <laughs> spending so much time with The Hobbit, I still start automatically trying to sing each song in a book to the mountain, Misty Mountain theme song. <laughs> so <laughs> You're like the opposite of, oh, fuck, I can't remember his name. But the composer who like forgot that theme right <laughs> away. I just forgot it existed. Yeah, I just, that's, that's it. That's my tune of everything now. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so yeah, we have this, this nice bit of singing and Pippin's like off to bed and Frodo's like, shh, hoofbeats. And uh, there's no really good hiding place this time, so they just hide in the darkness of the trees. And once again, the feeling stronger than before overcomes Frodo. And he almost puts the ring on. He almost, it's so close. It's so dark and creepy and all could be lost. But then the elves show up Woo! singing. Yay, elves. Um, actually uh, singing a lovely song that Frodo is able to translate about Varda. Otherwise known as Elbereth. Yes, they call her Elbereth here. But you would, but there are listeners who probably know her as Varda. Look, we remembered yes. another name. And this song is also in the movie, well, in the extended edition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just, I'm so proud of myself for reading this and immediately being like, "It's Varda," and not having to go, "Oh crap, who was that one?" I'm proud of you too, Rachel. Thank Me you. too. Thank you. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's a really nice song. Pretty. It's all about the stars and like being alive without the sun isn't it mm-hmm. yeah i love the line of but oh stars that in the sunless year with shining hand by her were sown yeah that one mm-hmm. i like that line too yeah so pretty much they they really like the the stars because they remember when there weren't any or yeah yeah thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago very long time um so anyway the the elves uh start to walk past until the last one turns and suddenly greets Frodo by name. And uh, at this point, the elves... That's kind of creepy. Yeah. It's a little weird. Um, And there's a little bit of a a sass-off between them. Um, Because, yeah, they're like, ooh, uh, three hobbits in a wood at night. What is the meaning of it? And Frodo's like, the meaning of it is simply that we seem to be going the same way as you are. Um. Would like your company, and they say, but we have no need of other company, and hobbits are so dull. And how do you know <laughs> that we go the same way as you? For you do not know whither we are going. And Frodo replies, That's true. And they how do him. you know my name? <laughs> and it's great. Yeah, no, they're both. I don't know. They're both very clever. But like, yeah, Frodo, you almost let the cat out of the bag there. Well, I think Frodo's just freaked out and is yeah, like, I- Oh, good company. Yep. I don't yeah, care pretty what much. I have He's to like, say I will, I'll go whatever way you're going. Yep. He don't doesn't care. Yep. And here in my head, I thought he was going, oh, they're probably heading back to Rivendell. I'll go with them. Oh. 
No, I think his plan was always to actually go to the new house that he bought. Hmm. And and he was going to, like, go there and at least see from there. Yeah. I don't know. So it turns out the leader of uh, these elves is a guy named Gildor Inglorion of the House of Finrod. Another name we know. A familiar name. I enjoy how he says the of the House of Finrod, sort of implying that, you know, maybe he is related, but was probably just, like... A servant in the House of Finrod? Or maybe, like, a knight, you know? That's that's how I picture him, something like that. Yeah. A random transcript. <laughs> I passed him once in the street. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's been When I say I lived in his house, what I mean is he lived near my house. Yeah. Or like I stayed in the castle as a guard. But um but it's been so long and everybody's dead. He's probably <laughs> the only one left, right? <laughs> it's pretty that took true. A dark like turn. who's, who's going to call him on it? Elrond? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway so pippin then uh decides to pipe up asking uh, about the black riders and gildor doesn't answer but is pretty clearly alarmed by there being black riders out and about and so he does invite the hobbits to uh join them for the night Frodo- on the secret fairy trail and here we have my most hated trope in any book ever the thing where somebody knows more but doesn't tell the main characters for no reason other than the author doesn't want the readers to know. Pretty much. (sighs) Well, if Gandalf hasn't told you, I don't think I should either. Really? Gandalf doesn't tell a lot of people a lot of things, and it hasn't always worked out well. The logic seems flawed. By which I mean it's made clear that Gildor knows who and what the Black Riders are, and he does not tell Frodo, which I just think is irresponsible, because now Frodo doesn't know what is chasing them mm-hmm. yeah and even frodo's like okay that just makes me more scared like come on dude yeah um but anyway it's a sucky trope but it is what it is uh frodo does uh charm gildor by speaking elvish which is crazy it's not just because he doesn't speak sindar no 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 this little podunk hobbit from the middle of fucking nowhere Breaks out some Quenya, <laughs> yep. which, if you will recall, was outlawed like tens of thousands of years ago. <laughs> like, what? What the hell? Like, no wonder the elves are immediately like, whoa, what the hell, dude? Yeah. If like they didn't know he was related bu- to Bilbo before, they know now. It's possible there are elves that don't speak that language. Yeah, yeah, no. How does How does Bilbo even get this stuff? Yeah, how how did Frodo learn this? I want to know. Like, obviously, Bilbo taught it to him, but how did Bilbo learn it? Like, how what? is their pronunciation not just totally whack? Yeah, <laughs> also true. Is this like new Quenya, middle Quenya, <laughs> <laughs> Hobbit Quenya? Uh, what? Yeah, I'm trying to come up with like what the for the Quenya and like common version of. Spanglish is. <laughs> the words don't mash together at all. <laughs> Quanglish. Quanglish. Uh, anyway. I do like the line. It's, it's a very pretty uh, elvish greeting of, um, apparently I'm going to try to read it. Apologies it. to all the Good elves luck. out there. Uh, Ellen Sila Lumen Omentielvo, which means a star shines on the hour of our meeting. That's very nice and very, very, 
Very quenish, as it mm. were. Pretty much. Anyway, we walk some more <laughs> again uh, until there's like a, a beautiful open space of grass that's surrounded on three sides by trees. And on one side opens up to the landscape and the stars. And I, we- I think it's worth saying that this walk uh, made the hobbits very, very sleepy. Like falling over themselves, they were going to fall asleep or walk off the path or... It just entranced them this entire walk to this clearing on this magical trail. Yeah. And the elves have them like walk in the middle so that they don't lose them. Mm-hmm. Yep. These Which, tiny elves lost a- forever in the elvish forest. It's at least, you know, responsible. Yeah. It is. It is. This felt very portal fantasy to me. Um, yeah. We get a lot of description of constellations. Oh, yeah, we do. Not a and lot I, by Silmarillion standards, but a lot compared to what we've had so far. Yeah, and we get like the names of them and mm-hmm. and how they rise in the sky and such. All that fun. Anyway, all that to say, stars. There's a lot about stars right now. Um, These are obviously Noldor elves. <laughs> <laughs> Just a bit. Um, so yeah, anyway, they get to the clearing and there's now some food and some merrymaking and... Everyone has a good time. They don't uh, really remember their good time. Not so much. Very, um, um, very like trespassing into fairy for a night. Mm-hmm. With a, a feast but they and the food. They do, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Yep. No, I'm with you. It definitely felt like like the court of fae was going on here, right? They can't remember exactly what it is they're eating. They remember they're having really great conversations, but they don't exactly know what anyone is saying. Yeah. And you could argue that with the whole eating of the food metaphor, I mean, after this, their journey really starts, and Frodo in particular doesn't ever really go home again. Ouch. Ooh, metaphor. Yeah. That hurts. There you go. But but even so, Sam Sam's so happy because he finally got to meet the elves. Aw, Sam. That's very sweet. Um, and Frodo keeps talking with people and perfecting his grammar and charming them with speaking are they still speaking quenier do you think they switched like it doesn't specify it just calls it before it was like the ancient tongue and high elvish and now they just call it the elf speech i mean that's just insanity that he knows quenya i'm sorry (laughs) carry on yeah show off so indeed but the point being he at least terms them with some cultural knowledge of elvish (laughs) um and so, yeah, Pippin and Sam fall asleep, and Frodo and Gildor do speak some more and at least get a little bit more information. Um, Frodo ends up asking after Bilbo, and Gildor has actually seen Bilbo twice, one time of which was, like, in this very spot, mm. which is kind of touching, and another time that he won't tell him about because he's Plot. withholding information. Again. Ugh. Yeah. Um <laughs> But also, he uh, Gildur is really anxious when Frodo's like, uh, Gandalf was supposed to show up and he didn't. Yeah. And, and Gildur's like, like oh, shit. That's not good. That has never boded well in the past. Ever. Yeah. Even I though think, he does it all the time. I think we learn in the appendices, or maybe in a different book, I forget which, that after this meeting, Gildor immediately was like, I'm going searching for Gandalf because this is insane. So, what a good boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he does at least tell Frodo that the uh, Black Riders are the servants of the enemy. Capital not, E. 
Yes, capital E enemy. The enemy. Not just any enemy. Not not Sackville Baggins is. <laughs> the enemy. Which I will say though, given how old these elves are, isn't the enemy um Morgoth, wouldn't you think? Like a step up from Sauron? Well, um, they would have known Sauron as a servant of Morgoth and as somebody who worked so like he's still working for the same goals, you know, so he is still I, I can see where they would put the two together. Yeah. Technically speaking, it's still the same. It's still anime. the same force. Are like arguably Sauron I don't know if worships. I don't know. He's well yeah, but we have already discussed he is the incompetent servant of a higher power. I just feel like they're throwing around the term enemy when yeah. they've already fought somebody supposedly worse. Come on, guys. But also at this point, like the elves have also already had to fight a whole big old battle against Sauron, who almost took over the world. So they, yeah, they that, at least have some pretty good context for for stuff, and and maybe occasionally can be realistic. Yeah, I guess once Sauron was ungrounded, he was a little bit more competent. Like once, uh, I'm sorry to bring this term up again. Daddy Morgoth was no longer around. <laughs> I was trying so hard to not use it. <laughs> <laughs> um he he really came into his own <laughs> you know he he was given more than just he had his own buildings roman yeah i feel like when morgoth was around sauron was forced to work with force you know he was like a general once morgoth was gone he was like actually i'm better at this whole deceiving and working my way into their good graces and then doing bad shit to them thing mm. and he was better at that it's fair Anyway, whole point being, black riders equal not good. <laughs> Eloquent. <laughs> how, did we, how did we get from that to Daddy Morkoff? <laughs> um, but yeah, here's, yeah, Frodo goes, what, I cannot imagine what information could be more terrifying than your hints and warnings. <laughs> okay. You lack imagination, Frodo. But yeah, he also, though, is he's kind of shocked uh, that that there is such danger already here in the Shire and kind of... A hint that the Shire is not, in fact, impervious to all evils. And and Gildor talks about how it wasn't always the Shire, and how it mm -hmm. wouldn't always be the Shire. And I thought that was... I, I, I really liked that exchange. Yeah. It, no, it's a, good, it's a good metaphor for, again, we've talked about all the various war analogies and stuff. Mm -hmm. And just because you live in a place that seems nice and idyllic doesn't mean that it's the only place and that... You can ignore what's going on around you. So yeah, Gildor, at least with, with Gandalf not showing up, is uh, a little anxious and gives some straightforward advice about what to do. A tiny bit, and he basically just tells Frodo, like, go, go now, and uh, it is dangerous to go alone. Take friends <laughs> with you. <laughs> okay, this puts in mind of, like, Frodo... <laughs> Walking up to Gandalf and Gandalf being, it's dangerous to go and take this with you and handing him Sam. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I've seen that comic before and I had that exact laugh. Because that line is like explicitly in here. Yeah. Do not go alone. <laughs> anyway. Yep. If anyone can find that that comic for us. I swear yeah, I've that, seen it that for can't this. be an Us original. It's, that can't it, be an Us original. It, it, it's too obvious. <laughs> but yeah. Take trusted friends. 
I think I think Frodo needs to find some friends. I think this is interesting because Gildor doesn't even know that. Like, why would Frodo even be involved? Why would these writers be after Frodo? What? But he's still like, mm, you seem important now. Apparently, you speak Quenya. Yeah, I don't know if he just <laughs> suspects something or yeah, because nobody really knows other than Gandalf. Like in the larger world, that Bilbo has a magic ring. Mm-hmm. Most of the dwarves are dead. <laughs> And I, yeah, and there's really just the Gandalf. Nope. Just, I mean, why else is this hobbit who speaks Quenya running away from Black Riders? Must be something big. Yeah. I, maybe he took the whole, oh, this hobbit speaks Quenya as like a sign from on high, you know? Yep. Varda is saying. Because what other explanation could there be other than it came to Frodo in the night to help him out later on? <laughs> it was a gift from the gods. I mean, Gandalf does talk about other forces being at work. This is true. I guess Gandalf might have taught him. That's a thought. Because he was just in the Shire for two months doing yeah. nothing. Yeah. So maybe he was like, Frodo, we're going to work on your education because I'm bored. <laughs> Here's some Quenya. <laughs> yeah, that would actually make the most sense since Gandalf has spent most of his existence um, over in Valinor, where they do speak Quenya. Or, or even the same for all of the times that Gandalf just hung out with Bilbo. Yeah. 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 Uh, headcanon accepted. There we go. That's that's a good explanation. Yeah. We've gotten there. So anyway, after all this talking about next to nothing <laughs> at all, uh, Gildor does offer a, a nice sort of blessing of sorts to Frodo that's, uh, may Elbereth protect you, and then names him Elf Friend, which is cool. I want to be named Elf Friend. Right. By an actual elf. Don't just, like, tell me this. Yep. <laughs> anyway, Frodo may or may not have some star protection. May He's an or elf may friend. not. Speaks some Quenya, and then everyone goes to sleep. Um, I was going to... I was going to say, and so shall we, and wrap up the podcast. But then I remembered <laughs> that we have, like, quotes and discussions and things. <laughs> I think we hit up some of this in the... Yeah, I definitely hit up a lot of mine. No, we did. We kind of covered this pretty darn well. Uh, I think we hit up everything. We didn't talk about this first one here. Yes, Gandalf yeah, hangs around for two months. We did. Oh, but you know I have no idea where I'm supposed to go. And Gandalf goes, oh, you oh. know, a direction. Oh, yeah, that one. Yeah. I really yeah. enjoyed that. He was like, you could go north, or you could go south, or you could go east, or you could go west. And I was reading that, and I was like, wow, Gandalf, you are the most useless wizard to ever wizard. <laughs> like, <laughs> Also, like, there's not very much west until, you know, this like, is what I'm three saying. books from like, now. Can you imagine Come on. West? <laughs> this poor boy just wanted a little help. What do you yeah. want him to do with the ring, Gandalf? What, chuck it into the frickin' gulf? <laughs> hey, it could meet up with the Silmaril. Yeah. Sauron could go after <laughs> both, and then the world would be really fucked. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> we have fun. Oh, I was gonna- oh, I know I did talk about who and what Gildar is. I did do a little bit of research into who Gildar actually is, mm-hmm. um, and pretty much, like- through he the consensus seems to be he was probably a servant or a knight in the house of finrod there is some 
back and forth between editions and because the Silmarillion wasn't published yet, Gandalf, uh, Gandalf, geez, <laughs> Tolkien would sometimes uh, just like use random names. Mm-hmm. But yeah, through later editions, he sort of made it all come together. Him or Christopher made it all come together. So yeah, probably just a random dude, not mm-hmm. actually related to Finrod Feligand, who was the king of the secret place or the secret secret place. Um, Nargothrond? Um, which is the secret place. So let's go with that, I think. Yeah, I think so. Let's see. He was the Noldor king, which... Right, but Gondolin or Nargothrond, I don't remember. Yes, Nargothrond. Nargothrond, so the secret place. Um, Who the hell was the king of Gondolin then? Fuck me. That was... One of the um, T1s. I'm so helpful. Turgon? Yes. Yes. Okay, great. We're, we're... It was either Turgon or Tour. Yeah, I was going to say, I think all of the Fs were just, like, going around fucking shit up. Yeah. (gasps) Makes sense. Makes sense. If I ever invent a fantasy world, I'm going to have everybody who has T names rule one country, and everybody who has F names rule another country so that people can keep them straight. You're welcome, everyone. (laughs) It'll be great. I'm excited for it. And with that note, (laughs) (laughs) let's wrap it up. So, if you have anything to say on Chapter 3 or our bastardization of the Silmarillion, you can contact us on Twitter at ToReadTolkien or email us at WantToReadTolkien at gmail.com. Um, next week's homework is Chapter 4, which is something about a conspiracy. A conspiracy on masks? I don't have my book open anymore. Oh, no, it's a shortcut to mushrooms. Sorry, Chapter 4 is a shortcut to yes, mushrooms. Yes, mushrooms! Mushrooms! A shortcut to mushrooms, which will be fun. (laughs) Yay. And that's that. So I've been Caitlin. I've been Rachel. I've been Emmy. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. I was. Can I also say something really funny? I just got an email that was like a Tumblr. I don't know. Tumblr's trying to get me to go back to Tumblr. Anyway, one of the posts is synonyms for walking and running. And it's like a writing (laughs) post that is literally just a list of synonyms. (laughs) Flounder, falter, careen, amble, lumber, lurch. I'm like, oh God, it's listening to me. (laughs) It's listening to us as we do this. That is... That is really, really creepy.